Welcome to The Playlist Podcast, a weekly discussion of films and TV. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist. Today, I have a new interview that we recently conducted with Dane DeHaan, one of the stars of the new Apple TV Plus series, Lisey's Story. For those that don't know, Lisey's Story is a series based on the Stephen King novel and is a very unique adaptation as it's actually written by King himself, a first for the author. The series is directed by acclaimed filmmaker Pablo Lorraine and tells the story of a woman that is dealing with the aftermath of losing her husband, who is a famous author. Not only does she have to deal with the grief, but she also has to deal with a predatory publisher and at least one scary fan, both of which want the author's unpublished manuscripts. And that's where Dane DeHaan comes in, as the terrifying uber-fan Jim Dooley. DeHaan is probably most famous for his film work and features such as Chronicle, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, and Valerian. But in Lisey's story, he once again tackles a pretty dark character, as he has done in the past. We spoke to DeHaan about playing such a scary, obsessive person and how he got prepared for that, as well as where he honed those yo-yo skills that he shows off in the series. In addition, we talk about his time in the Spider-Man franchise and what the future may hold, because you know we had to ask about Spider-Man. But before we get to the interview, I got to tell you the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real, The Fourth Wall, Deep Focus, and more. And if you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, or anywhere else you find your favorite shows. So without further ado, here's our interview with Dane DeHaan, where I'm joined by my co-host, Mike D'Angelo. Enjoy. I want to welcome Dane DeHaan to the Playlist Podcast, talk about Lisey's story. Thanks for talking about the series with us. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Um, first off, for those that know anything about the Lisey story, they probably know that you play what is perhaps the creepiest role I've seen in a long time. And you're Thanks. great in it. But <laughs> the creepiness is off the charts. So my first question has to be, why did you have to go and ruin pizza cutters for me? Because now <laughs> when I go and eat pizza, I'm just going to have Jim Dooley in my head. Yeah, well, I think, you know, we're just running out of things to ruin. So, um, <laughs> You've managed to, to, to do it. outside of the, the box. The pizza box, if, if you will. will. Oh, geez, the pizza box. There you go. Um, but in all seriousness, you do play a, like a truly frightening character in the series. And, and this isn't the first time you've played a character that is intended to frighten and quote unquote, not all there. So what do you think attracts you to these types of roles? You know, a lot of times they're the ones that kind of come my way. But I think, you know, this part, like, sure, I've played other bad guys before, but or villains or whatever, but I, I don't think I've ever played a character like this. You know, it's like Dooley to me is just something so different from every anything I've done um, and was really an exciting opportunity to um, collaborate with the director, Pablo Lorraine, that, you know, the first time I sat down and talked with him about this just kind of had all these amazing ideas for the character that weren't a part of the novel or even the screenplay and um you know it turned into this collaboration between him and myself and then Stephen King and it was just like an awesome opportunity and and then you know throw in all the other actors on the show and it's just like you know it's such a great opportunity to do something that I view as very different from anything I've done yeah uh, so Lisey's story is, uh, as many people know, based on a Stephen King novel, and the series is actually written entirely by King himself. So that kind of is incredibly rare and uh, puts you guys, you know, in, in rare ter- ter- territory for King adaptations. Um, and, and his, you know, his impact is, you know, it's felt most in the dialogue, like the, there's almost a lyrical, poetic quality about 
you know, the, the story that makes it feel other, otherworldly and uh, very much in a good way. And when you look at the script and you see the, the, the show in your mind, what do you think King brings to the series as a writer that maybe is absent from other adaptations, uh, you know, by other people? Well, I don't know that I can speak to like other adaptations by other people, but you know, I think I actually think this is the only one of his novels he's ever adapted the screenplay for. Um, and I think what that shows is how much he loves this story and cares about this story, you know, and and is re- this this one in particular, I feel is, you know, it's complicated. There's um, some intense human aspects that deals a lot with grief and loss and dealing with that and family. And um, at the same time, there's a fantastical element and there's a horror element. So really, it's like it really is kind of the best of his stuff because it has a little bit of everything in it. Um, And for him to be involved in the way he was and not only write the screenplays, but then, like I said, like collaborate to create the characters and um, continue to make it better and better. Um, you know, that, that was just such a important and invaluable part of this entire process. Sure. So as mentioned, you know, before Jim Dooley as a character, you know, to some people might seemingly have very few, if any redeeming qualities, um, as, uh, so overall, you know, it's safe to say he's kind of a vile guy. How do you approach playing a character like that do you do you have to get in this dark place mentally are you able to just you know turn it off when the cameras roll or yeah you know it's very case by case you know um i think for this one you know julianne moore um creates such a kind of loving and caring and positive on set environment um that like it would have been, I think, detrimental to everyone's process if I showed up and I like was just like dually the whole time. If that makes <laughs> sense, you know. Like, I think you need to. Part of making something great and being a good collaborator is understanding the people you're working with and like the environment you're stepping into and how to work well with others, you know. And like, mm-hmm. um, she is um, really just the kindest person, and I think a lot of what happened on this set was, you know, because that's the environment she creates, it's easy to trust her and it's easy to gain her trust. So even from a place of kind of lightness and at times like giggles and levity, um, you know, from that, when the cameras were rolling, we trusted each other enough to go to those dark places. Yeah. A a selfish follow-up. Did you keep the Clive Owen cardboard cutout? I did not. No, I kept I kept one of the yo-yos. I kept one of the yo-yos. I'm glad you brought that up. I don't know that I would want to explain the Clive Owen to people when they come over. Uh, I'm sorry. I know you're going to ask a question, but can I just say, because it popped into my head, an interesting fact that I have this like 17th century version painting of Zach Galifianakis from this. movie i did called tulip fever that's hanging in my dining room and it's it's one of my favorite things i've ever taken from a set how big is that it's big it's like a proper like portrait like you would see in a museum that's incredible galifianakis in like 17th century garb holding uh uh uh, like vat of wine 
That's so amazing. Um, I was going to ask you about the yo-yo, actually, because uh, maybe I wasn't watching this in the correct mind space, but I was watching that like, man, did he learn yo-yo tricks for this or were you just a natural? <laughs> so I was, I am a byproduct of like the 90s yo-yo craze. So, uh, I think either um, both of us were too. <laughs> yeah. So I had at a one point in my life, like you guys, I had like a ton of yo-yos and it was like the thing and everyone in the schoolyard was like playing with yo-yos. Um, so, and I was like, okay at it back then. So, um, I just kind of had to get good at it again. And they, they did hire like a professional yo-yo person to teach me, but, um, and that person is like amazing. And like the stuff that he does is like really, truly incredible. Um, but when he saw the yo-yo, the like yo-yo they gave me, which is like literally from like a, whatever, like a cornflakes box or something <laughs> he was like oh like you can't really do much with this yo-yo <laughs> so all i all i could do with it was what i was capable of in sixth grade which was like making it sleep walking the dog and then like rocking the cradle and then after that it just it would give out yeah i was waiting for the rocking the cradle but they didn't i don't know if you did that on set but that didn't make didn't it in make final the cut. cut no i did do it i did okay do it. yeah <laughs> Okay, Maybe well, the extended version, the, the the Lorraine cut. Yeah, we'll be waiting for. As if that it. scene needs to be extended anymore than it already <laughs> is. We want to avoid spoilers, but once people see that, they'll understand why it's probably best if that scene just kind of moves along. But yeah, um, so a big part of Jim Dooley's character is his obsession with Scott Landon, who's Clive Owen's character, which is thus the the cardboard cutout. Um, you're you, but Jim Dooley's a huge fan of the author and goes to like extreme lengths to show it. And it's human nature to be fans of things, right? So, for example, I'm not ashamed to admit I'm a huge fan of RoboCop and the '80s BMX classic Rad. So with that in mind, now that I've shared, I would love for you to come clean about one of the things that you're a fan of, or maybe, maybe fan isn't the right word, maybe something you're a little more of a fan than normal. Let's see. I'm a, well, I'm a huge fan of Tiger Woods, for sure. Oh, okay. Big Tiger Woods fan. That's probably the one that I'm like the biggest fan of, like in a, in a, a little bit overboard kind of way. Yeah. yeah. Do you know like yeah. where he was born and what time of day and all that stuff or no? Mm, no. I, well, I think he was born in California, but I, I couldn't tell you the time of day. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. for next time. <laughs> so uh, getting back to old Jimbo, uh, playing these, uh, these types of characters has to be kind of exhausting mentally and physically. So for something like this, you have to sustain a level of menace for, a, you know, a number of episodes. I can't, say if you've make make the whole eight or not we've seen four but when uh looking at people like you know adam sandler who tend to make films for for like summer vacation do you ever wish like maybe that was you like maybe you know uh i guess what i'm asking is are you entering your adam sandler period anytime soon here where you're just like you know a tropical place might be nice <laughs> um well I, I look i love doing what i do and i love playing the characters i play and like I had an absolute blast playing Jim Dooley as, you know, as I I I'm, might be the only person in the world, along with the director, that truly has a soft spot in my heart for him, and I <laughs> I love him a lot, and and I I really did have fun doing it. I I I um I I I never would see myself as a competitor to Adam Sandler, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> De definitely different. 
different uh different worlds but i'm sorry for calling him vile by the way but uncut <laughs> gems also is unbelievable and amazing and he's that's true no him. he's he's incredible that that movie is incredible but uh you know we just we want to see you have some fun on screen you know and 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 this might be fun it, you might but be having a blast but oh then there you go perfect um <laughs> speaking of i i want to i want to go back to that the the scene that we were talking about before and you're acting opposite julie julian moore and without getting too into details about what happens in that scene um what was the the set like then you said she's kind of positive and stuff but that's such a dark moment um is that something where you have to prepare like the day before that you know it's you're because you're acting opposite an oscar winner first that's got to be kind of special in its own way but but then to do something where you command the screen it's got to be you know kind of extra next level sure well i mean like there's so much that goes into that leading up to it you know um luckily that was something we shot towards the end of our shoot. Um, and also luckily it was something we shot before we got shut down for COVID. Mm. Um, so, um, at the, at the time, you know, it, it felt like the culmination of everything we had done. Um, and it was kind of this truly, um, the whole process was very exploratory and very, like we did a lot of stuff that wasn't in the script and, whether it be the eating or the yo-yo or the head banging or whatever, it's just, you know, that, that scene, which is such a long scene and truly a demanding scene. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it, it can be a relief to know you're going to be acting across from someone that you know is going to be amazing for sure. Like that I can trust in my acting partner and she's only going to make everything better is for me, honestly, a relief at this point in my career um, and then to take what was written and to kind of be able to sprinkle in all these things that we have been like exploring and working on and help enhance the scene in ways that at times felt truly strange, um, but kind of like artistically fulfilling, you know, that was just, it was just a fun, cool time to shoot that scene. That's it's it's really interesting that you describe it as a fun, cool time. It just it blows my mind. But that's 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 awesome. Um, the uh, the headbanging. You mentioned that real quick. Um, the headbanging scenes. Um, there are two in the first four episodes that we watched, and the first one you're kind of off by yourself in a room. Did was that just a matter of them turning on the camera and, and telling you, you know, like just do your thing, or was there any choreography involved in that? So, um, well. So that set was not a set that I think was in the script at all. And we built it um, really for the purpose of um, adding extra things in for Dooley and exploring the character and stuff like that. And um, as we were going along and doing all these things and the director was having all these ideas, Stephen would, King, Stephen King would um, end up writing some dialogue and stuff that I would, um, that we would end up, recording which is kind of like all the stuff i'm saying to the camera and stuff like that is generally all stuff stephen king wrote but then i think we had like two days so like that you know saying those words took up a very short amount of time and then it was just all about exploring in that room and seeing what would happen and you know at a certain point um the director puts on um like i don't know what it was but like very hard heavy metal music and it's just blasting it and i started headbanging 
and um then that became a part of the character and and then if when you take that headbanging and you put it over other music um you know that's just what creates the dually that's the dually of it all and like that's just the beauty of kind of like what we were exploring and um and and um and how pablo lorraine took it and made it something really great i also will say that some of the stuff i do in that room in terms of choreography not the head banging but other stuff i do that actually made the cut is um me it, it was around uh christmas time and my daughter was i think like i think she was two at the time and she was making up her own choreography to the nutcracker um <laughs> and so i was literally just doing her nutcracker choreography um in my room alone and so i did steal that from my daughter um and made it really creepy and weird and i'm thankful <laughs> for to her unfortunately you're not going to be able to show her that right like you can't just like pull no, her aside. Yeah. <laughs> maybe when she's like you know 17 18 you're like hey remember this yeah she, oh, she won't want to watch it when she's 17 or 18. <laughs> that's that's true uh so i gotta we gotta switch gears just a little bit because i'm a, a huge nerd for spider-man that's that's one of my things. And I would be remiss if I didn't talk to you just once about Spider-Man. So uh, you're Harry Osborn. This is who you are to me. Um, so you'll always be. And I know you've already denied playing a part in Spider-Man No Way Home. And I doubt you'd even spill the beans even if you're in the movie. So I'm not going to I'm not going to bore you with that question. So what I do want to ask, though, is you only got one chance in a Spider-Man movie and you were playing a character with a ton of history. So was there do you imagine a scenario where you would like to go back and 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 try one more time with that character um is there a chance or is there a way do you wish that you had a chance i should say to to explore harry osborne a little bit i mean at this point in my life i i would much rather do something new Mm -hmm. um you know i i i love making those kinds of movies they're super fun to make um and an incredible thing to be a part of but i don't think i would want to go back and do something that I did like seven years ago, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, it's already been seven I mean, years, hasn't it? I think so, yeah. It's been a long wow. time. Yeah. But like, as you know, at the time, like it seemed like something I was going to be doing for a very long time. And um, that seemed really cool and exciting, you know, like um, kind of where we were told they were going with it and everything that was supposed to happen with it that ultimately didn't like that seemed awesome and that would have been a really cool amazing thing in my life you know would be just like completely different because it would have taken up probably all my time but um but at this point in my life I'd, I'd love to just be a part of like a different comic book movie you know oh okay so you, you're down kind of exploring the the comic book genre again yeah i just don't see a reason to like rehash a character i did totally seven years ago <laughs> So with, you know, like you said, Amazing Spider-Man and and Valerian, you've been in these big budget franchise, you know, films in your career. What do you think, you know, uh, as far as, you know, performing, what's the big difference between something like Lizzie's story or Lizzie's story and uh, and, and like the Spider-Mans or the Valerians? When you have, well, you know, some, without giving away too many spoilers, sometimes it's very similar. Yeah. Um, I don't know that like if I was comparing extremes of movies, I don't think I would take Lisey's story and compare it to a Spider-Man and say like, they're so different, honestly. 
Um, you know, but what's cool about Lisi's story, I think, is kind of like their the um, the artistic integrity of the director um, in terms of like he was really given kind of like time to explore material in a way that I feel like when you're doing a comic book movie, it's very much like the script. You do the script, you try to do the thing. Um, and in this case, it, there, it was much more exploratory. Now, I don't think they're very, some parts of it, again, aren't very different. Um, but like a movie, like a little indie movie is a lot different. You know, you're working faster. You're, there's obviously no green screen. There's no special effects. And um, it's ultimately more about just the acting, I guess. Mm -hmm. But um, that being said, every experience is different. You know, Spider-Man was different from Valerian, um, is different from everything else. So, um, yeah, it's it's hard to say exactly what's like specifically different about everything, except to say like, when you have time and money, like it is ultimately like easier in a way, yeah. you know? Yeah. So with Lizzie's story, this isn't the only, you know, TV you've done in your career, especially recently, uh, you know, a wink to Law & Order SVU, but we're not going to talk about those. Uh, I watched that episode today in preparation, by the way. Did you really? I did. Yeah. Because I was like, I need to see the origins. <laughs> that was the origin. That was my first. It time. was. I looked and I'm like, and Hulu's a great thing, man. Hulu's <laughs> a beautiful That's... thing. Uh, so, you know, you've, you've recently come out with zero, zero, zero and the Quibi series, the stranger. Um, so with the lines of film and, and TV blurring, does the medium of the project ever come into play when you're choosing to do something? Um, well, only from a like aspect of like, I, I, I've yet to do a series that I, I would have to like sign up for like the rep, like six years of my life, you know? Yeah. I mean that that when that's a part of the conversation, then it does like that does enter into the equation. But um, in terms of like the business being at where it's at, um, everybody's doing TV, and a lot of the best stuff is in TV. And you know the way we shot zero zero zero, and the way we shot Lisi's story, we shot them like movies. You know they felt like movies the entire time. So. Um, um, in terms of my personal process, it was it was generally the same, you know, and then obviously the way it's consumed is different. But so, it, it but... creates so much more opportunity, you know, I mean, I'm stoked about it. I, the more opportunity there is, the more I get to do what I love, you know. So are we going to see a Jim Dooley prequel? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how <laughs> we'll see if Jim Dooley enters the hearts of, of the world as much as he's entered mine, I guess. He certainly entered my nightmares. And I mean that as a compliment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, before we let you go, um, can you tease any roles you have coming up after Lizzie's story? I mean, other than Spider-Man No Way Home, you know, of course. <laughs> um, I'm not in Spider-Man. Right. <laughs> totally. Yes. Yep. Uh -huh. I wouldn't be in my house in upstate New York if I was. Fantastic. Yeah. Maybe. Or maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Green that screen's a totally beautiful be thing. Fake. Yeah. That could totally be fake. Um. <laughs> But uh, I I I think I I'm not allowed to talk about anything uh -huh. I'm doing yet. Not that it's like top secret or anything, but just like it's at the point where I'm like not supposed to say what I'm doing next. But Fair I am proud, I am happy to say that 
finally after this entire pandemic i'm gonna get to go back and be on a film set and that's a wonderful feeling so were you not working the whole time the whole time we well we shut down lizzie's story um and then they and then i had one day of shooting left on lizzie's story which i did in like october or something and then uh, besides that i haven't worked at all that's that's great. Yeah, we've been seeing so many of these pandemic films, you know, like these these quick little things that people like rush off for two weeks. And we're just expecting that everybody has a secret pandemic film. So, you know, <laughs> I didn't do it. I didn't okay. do it. Yeah. So just, fair enough. Uh, so we get our family time. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Uh, but we have to wrap up. But I want to again thank Dane DeHaan for joining us and talking about Lisey's story. You can check it out on Apple TV Plus on June 4th. But uh, yeah, thank you for haunting Mike and uh, <laughs> showing off your headbanging skills. It's fantastic. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Have a good <laughs> thank one. Thank you. You, you too, too, man. Okay, that was our interview with Dane DeHaan. I hope you folks enjoyed it. If you want to see Dane DeHaan and Lisey's story, the show debuts on Apple TV Plus on June 4th. And if you want to hear us talk more with filmmakers and actors, just go back and listen to some of our past episodes. We have some really great conversations ready for your listening pleasure. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with yet another episode of the Playlist Podcast. Uh-huh.